Our scripture reading for this morning will come from the book of Daniels. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. That's Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no, no charge of fault, because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors, satraps, thorned before the king and said to him, King Darius, live Forever, all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, satraps, the counselors, advisors, have consulted against to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever petition any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree. Sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his holy and divine word. Last night. Pretty good. Take a moment and think about it if you don't mind. Just kind of think about it. And that, that may be a hard question to answer for some of you. So on a scale of one to five, five being you slept like a baby, you, you feel well rested, you've got a good amount of sleep, you feel great, so that's a five. Opposite of the spectrum of one, you slept also kind of like a baby, I guess, kind of cranky. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep or the sleep that you did get, um, you don't feel well rested from, okay? So on a scale of one to five, think about how well did you sleep last night. Now, now turn to your neighbor and let him know. I'll give you a second, just let him know, and you can give him a brief explanation. One to five, how, did, how well did you sleep last night? Okay, now if this was a class setting, if I can bring it back in for a second, 
if this was a class, maybe it is a class setting. If this was a class setting, I would, I would ask you to raise your hand if you, if you answered a three or lower. I'm not going to do that, but if you'd answered, if you'd answered you know, one to five, you said, I don't know, was it, I slept a lot, but I don't feel well rested. Or maybe you feel okay, but you didn't get much sleep. I have to get, I, my guess is that if I asked for you to raise your hand on a scale of one to five, you'd answer three or lower. Over half, or almost half of the audience this morning watching downstairs or here in the auditorium would possibly raise your hand and say, no, I didn't sleep that well last night. And I get that, that guess from the CDC, our favorite place. The CDC. <laughs> the CDC states... Oh, we, we have the record. The CDC states insufficient sleep is a public health epidemic. This comes out from a study in 2000, from 2000 to 2014. They, they put this out in 2014. And the reason I say that almost half of the audience in here, here in Buford, Georgia, would probably answer, no, I, didn't, I actually didn't sleep that well. Because of, because of this study, Georgia was found to be one of the worst states when it comes to sleep sufficiency. Now what they mean by that, a sufficient amount of sleep for adults is seven hours. Now for teenagers, it's eight to ten hours. So based on that standard, based on that standard, sleeping for seven hours, that according to CDC, is um, sleeping sufficient amount. How well did you sleep last night? Now I dug into this study, and one of the things I kept looking for but I never found, and this was going to be the more interesting part of, well, why is it? Why is this the case? Why is Georgia or the Southeast, why, why are people, you know, why is, there's epi, why, why is there this epidemic of sleep insufficiency? Why is, why, is there, why is there this problem that people aren't getting enough sleep, especially in the state that we're living in right now? They didn't have any answers. They didn't, they didn't dig into why that was. But if this was, a, if this was a class setting, I'd ask you to raise your hands if you had a, under a three, and then I'd ask, okay, then why? Why didn't you sleep well last night? And I thought about some reasons you might answer why maybe you didn't sleep well last night. On the one side, there's the physical problems, right? Maybe you just couldn't get comfortable last night. You tossed and you turned, or maybe you're having some type of back issue or pain in your knee, whatever it may be, and you just couldn't get, you could not get comfortable and you just didn't rest very well. Or maybe there was an external issue. Maybe you have a child, right? Maybe you had to get up a few times, you had to take care of a few things. Or maybe there was just an issue last night. I'll never forget one night in college where... The fire alarm went off three times one night. I didn't sleep well that night. It wasn't my fault, right? Maybe an external thing happened like that that just kept you up or kept you restless. Or maybe last night there was something going on. You had some type of activity that kept you up pretty late or maybe a project or something you were working on or, or just maybe not working on but you're engaged in like a show or a movie that kept you up well past maybe you should have went to bed and you missed your seven-hour window and you didn't sleep well last night because of some of the physical issues. Or maybe it's more mental. Maybe there's some things in your mind that, that kept you from sleeping well last night. Maybe it's a future deadline that's coming up. Maybe it's a project that you should be working on or you should have been getting done or that you know, there's this huge meeting coming up this week and there's this future event or project that just kept you up turning over and you know, back, and, back and forth last night. You couldn't nail down. Or maybe it's a present day decision and you're stuck in the middle and you don't know how to figure it out. Do you take the job? Do you, do you move here? Whatever it may be, maybe it's a, a big life-altering decision that's going to affect you, your life or the lives of people that you love around you. You couldn't sleep last night because of a decision, a present day, or maybe it was a failure in the past. You know, the joke is, you know, 
We all, sometimes you're trying to go to bed at night and you think, you're playing back the conversations you had that day and you remember when the waiter said, have a good meal, and you said, you too. And it's like, ah, oh, why, why am I the way I am? But maybe it's a little more, more serious nature. You're playing back the conversations, the arguments. You're playing back the hurtful wor words you said. You're playing back a decision you made 10 years ago that has put you down a path that you're not really enjoying. Now, whatever it may be, maybe it's a past failure, a moment of anger, whatever it may be, and it's keeping you up at night, and you're not sleeping well because of it. That's probably just the tip of the iceberg. If I were to ask that question, you already give answers of what it was that was keeping you up last night. Or maybe not last night, but the, the night previous, or any time in this past week that you did not get enough sleep for any reason, why was it? Today, with the time we have, I'd like to look at a story of two men in the Bible. And thanks to Brother Iverson, we've already met these two men, Darius and Daniel, and we're going to look at this unforgettable night that they had, one in the heights of a palace and one in the depths of a pit, and we're going to, look at, we're going to analyze how well they both rested that evening. And then we're going to ask the question of, how are you going to sleep tonight? You know how you slept last night. You, we, we, we could talk. We, you know, a conversation started, you know, spotting, you know, kind of spurting up everywhere in the, around the auditorium of how well you slept last night. But the most important conversation is, well, how are you going to sleep tonight? What's going to be on your mind? What's going to be on your conscience tonight? As you try to lay your head down and get some rest. Have your Bibles. Be open to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be there. We're going to read a little bit more this morning as we continue to go on in our, in our lesson today. Let's read Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to read verses, we're going to read almost this whole chapter today, but what we're going to do is we're going to be looking through this story through the eyes of two different men. I'm going to call this the tale of two sleeps. We're going to step through this story through the eyes of Darius, and then we're going to step back and step through the story through the eyes of Daniel. Now we already know because of the context that Brother Iverson read, verses 1 through 9, kind of how Darius' day has started out so far. We realize in chapter 6, verse 1, that Darius is a new leader. The end of chapter 5, the Babylonians have been conquered. The Babylonians have been kind of uprooted from this city, and the Medes and the Persians have come in, and Darius is this first leader of a new empire in this new town. So he, he's new, he's the new guy on the block, and he's not only just some leader, he is the king of Babylon. And we see verses 2 through 9, a plan that is hatched to attack his number two man. Darius, just like Belshazzar, just like Nebuchadnezzar before him, recognized the value of Daniel and put him in a, in a place of prominence and lifted him up, and the other people didn't like him, so they're trying to con consult against him. And they realize the only way to consult against this man is to go. He, he's blameless in every way besides. He bows down to this Old Testament God, this Jewish God, Jehovah. So that's where we're going to, going to attack him. So Darius starts off his day as a new ruler trying to make a name for himself. And the first thing he does is make a decision based on pride. A group of leaders come up to him and they ask him, you know, you great king, we should make it to where no one can bow down to anybody else besides you for a period of month. Just to set the stage, right? You're the new king. Everybody should be looking up to you. So, that, so now let's do this so that everybody understands just how great and powerful you are. For the next 30 days, no one can bow down to anybody else. No one can look to another god. No one can sing praises to anybody else. All, every knee shall bow only to you. O king, 
according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. Well, Darius thinks that sounds pretty good. That's a good idea, guys. You know, that will show everybody in this new kingdom of mine just where I stand in the rank of authority. And he signs the decree. But then verses 7 through 9, we realize that puts him in a trap. Because he likes Daniel. If you look back at the text, look back at verse 8. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction. Let's skip down to verse 12. Then they approached, this is after they have already arrested Daniel. They approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. They asked, did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days, isn't he to be cast into the lion's den? And the king replied, the statement is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. And they answered and spoke before a king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So Darius realizes the trap he's stuck in now. He made this decision, this rash decision, this kind of last second decision that he makes based on his pride. He likes the idea of people bowing down to him, but now he, re he realizes what that means. His number two man, the man that he looks up to maybe more than anybody else when it comes to the leaders of Babylon that he's inherited, he is just condemned to death. And so we see in verses 13 and 14 that it distresses him. He spends the rest of the day trying to deliver Daniel out of this. Now, two interesting points that come from that is, why does he spend the rest of the day? Well, common law back then is any man that was condemned by noon, any man that was condemned that day was to be ex executed or thrown in the furnace or the, the lion's den that evening. There was no death row sentence. This man's going to sit in cell for 30 days. He's going to sit in, in some type of dungeon for three months and then be thrown into a lion's den. This is a 24-hour execution notice. So Darius has got to get to work. If he's going to be able to get Daniel out of this trap that he himself sprung, he's got less than a day to figure this out. Now, my simple mind, when I read this, I think, well, he's the king. If I'm Darius, I say, I'm just kidding. I didn't mean that. I say, no, you didn't hear me right. I said anybody besides Daniel, right? You know, I would have just changed what I said back right then. But look back at verse 15. These men reminded him. These men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or statue which the king establishes may be changed. This is the fourth time this very phrase that may not be changed is uttered alone in this text. Now the, re the reason the Medes and the Persians have this law that the king, whatever the king says is, it stays, no matter if he wants to change it, he changes his mind, he wants to alter it, the reason he cannot change it is because they look to him as a God. They look to him as the mouthpiece to their God. So for him to make a decree, for the king to make a law like he did in verses 1 through 9, that's a law of the gods. And who is Darius to speak against that? So he's stuck. 
he speaks up and goes against his decree, he's just lost his throne. The Medes and the Persians are going to uproot him and says, you don't bow down to the actual gods. You're no mouthpiece of our God. And they're going to kick, kick him off the throne. But if he, if he holds up his decree and if he honors his word here, and his right-hand man, Daniel, is going to be executed and thrown into a lion's den that evening. So he's stuck in a trap with nothing to do. Let's keep reading verse 16 through 18. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled him. That night, Darius didn't get any rest. His day ends in utter failure. He's not able to stop Daniel being thrown in the lion's den, and he has to watch his right-hand man being shoved into a pit, being cast down, and the only thing he can say is, I hope your God is listening. I hope your God will take care of you. And the best, his feeble attempt to do something of any importance here is as they roll the stone over, they, they pour and, they, and he, he puts his own signet ring into it that the seal may not be broken. What that means is no one can steal in the middle of the night and make sure Daniel's dead, and if he's not, they can kill him. So Darius' feeble attempt to make any difference here is this weak, well, this will at least, this will at least stop anybody from breaking in the middle of the night and, and killing him. If the lions don't do it, right? And so he signs with his own ring. The seal is sealed. The light is out, and Daniel's in the lion's den. And he goes back to his palace. Now I have to guess that the lion's den pits in the palace are a little bit further away from each other. He walks back to his palace. Maybe he's carried back to his palace that evening. He walks up, lays down, and he refuses the king's food, he refuses the king's drink. There's no entertainment brought into him that evening. He fasts, he mourns, and he paces. Sleep flees from him. As he is trying to go to sleep, you have this, uh, this kind of imagery in your mind, as he is pursuing sleep, as, as he is trying to get some shaddai, he cannot find it. And he's restless through the night. So in the palace, there is no rest. Now let's back up and look through this day through the eyes of Daniel. Daniel starts his day in chapter 6 and verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had windows open toward Jerusalem and continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as, as he had been doing previously. Now Daniel's, night, Daniel's day starts with a new decree. Daniel probably walking to the king's palace that day as he was probably serving there on a normal day-to-day -day basis. And he's walking there and he sees a new decree laid out. I think about a, a piece of paper kind of nailed to a post that everybody would have to walk by and see. And he, see, he sees it and reads it. He understands what this means. He recognizes that this is instantly going to have to stop his daily prayer. And as this, new, as this new decree is recognized and understood, he doesn't make a decision based on a rash moment of, you know, kind of this last-minute decision. He doesn't make a decision based on pride, but rather he makes a decision based on his humility 
And he really already made this decision back in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8 when he said he had already made up his mind. He determined his mind not to defile himself. So decision is already based in humility. And as he goes to the upper room, as he goes to his house that afternoon, it says that this is what he had already been doing. This is repetitious. This is something he's already been engaging in day in and day out, going and praying towards Jerusalem for three times a day. And as soon as he reads this decree, he sees nothing different than that, and he instantly goes and observes his midday prayer. There's a new decree. He makes a humble decision, and now he's stuck in a cell. Verse 11, these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. We get the idea they must have put him somewhere. They must have either locked him up in his house or drug him off into some holding cell while they went and talked to, to, to Darius for the day until that night when they could throw him in the lion's den. Now Dar- Daniel is stuck waiting for execution. He understood what the decree meant when he first read it. Now he's been caught praying, and now he's just playing the waiting game. He understands more than likely Darius can't do anything about this, and he understands that that means he's going to be sleeping not with the fishes. He's going to be sleeping with the lions that evening. And he's stuck in a cell just waiting it out. And now we pick back up the next time we see Daniel in verse 16. The king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Last thing Daniel hears, the last words uttered uttered to him, verse 17, as we've already read, a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring, the signet ring of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. And if you put yourself in his shoes just for a moment, the utter darkness that must have surrounded him, the moment the seal was completed, the stone was rolled over, Nothing could come in, nothing come out, and he is in pitch darkness, knowing that there are lions around him in some type of pit, in some type of den, the bottom, waiting for his night to start. And yet we keep reading, we find out what type of night he had. Verse 19, the king arose at dawn at the break of the day, and went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. May my God, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. The king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found in him because he had trusted in God. I love the imagery of Darius waking up the next morning. He's really not waking up, he's just running to. As soon as the sun you know, peaks over the mountaintops, as soon as the sun rises there, he runs to the pit. The man who's probably carried everywhere he's ever walked in Babylon at this point is now sprinting to what is going to be the tomb of Daniel. And, he's, and I can imagine him yelling out before he even gets there, Daniel, are you still there? Daniel, can you answer me? And Daniel responds, O king, live forever. My God has delivered me. Now we can't say whether or not Daniel slept that night. Knowing Daniel, he probably spent the whole night praying to God, thanking him. 
But I know for a matter of fact that Daniel came out of that tomb more rested than Darius did that day. Well, what can we take away from that? When you look at the two positions that these two men were in, you've got this exiled Jew living in Babylon who had risen through the ranks, who was the second man almost in charge of this whole area, but still was an outcast, still was someone that everybody looked down upon that was conspired against. So you have him who's arrested, thrown in a cell, thrown in a pit, thrown at the depths of the pit, left to die. And then you have King, uh, King Darius reigning over one of the best empires of this day and age. If I had to guess, probably sleeping on a pretty comfortable bed that, that evening, trying to get some rest on probably one of the more comfortable beds in all the world at that moment. And he's not able to find any rest at all. What's the difference? Daniel's able to wake up the next morning, feel well-rested, be just as fine, even though he slept in the depths of a pit, and Darius, who slept in the heights of the palace, sleep fled, fled from him. What's the difference between the night that Darius had and the night that Daniel had? Obviously, their physical circumstances around them are different, but if you had to look at those and we had to guess who slept better than the other, I think all of us would always choose the man sleeping in you know, the feathery bed in the heights of the palace compared to the man you know, sleeping in the pit hoping not to be eaten by a lion. But when the roles are reversed, we have to ask ourselves, what is the difference maker? And it's an easy one. I'm not going to preach anything that's going to blow your mind today. Daniel had a connection to God. Daniel trusted in God and that made all the difference. Daniel had a genuine relationship with God that evening, and because of that, no matter where he had been, he would have been able to rest just fine. And Darius, who didn't have that connection to God, Darius, who didn't know he could rely on God, who didn't know at this point he could trust on God, was so upset about the decision he had made, was so upset about the circumstances he had put one of his best men in, got no sleep. What's the difference in Darius and Daniel, the night that they had? One man, one man went to sleep that evening. One man went to rest that evening, whether he did or not, in full connection to God with a genuine relationship to the Father. And the other man didn't. And that made all the difference. So what can we take away from that? What can we take away to d today from the, the unforgettable night that Darius and Daniel shared at two separate locations? No matter what circumstances I'm in, it doesn't matter. No matter what, what bed I'm sleeping in, no matter what circumstances my life has led me in, as long as I have God with me, as long as I have a genuine relationship with God, then I can find rest in Him. Because that's what happened in Daniel Darius. Daniel was sleeping in the night with lions, and Darius is sleeping in the heights of a palace. Darius, a 62-year-old man living at the height of his probably authority all of his life, had made it, had climbed to the top of the ladder and couldn't find rest. And Daniel, who was cast into a pit there to forget, to be forgotten about and to die that evening, could find rest in God because he had a relationship with him. From the depths of the pit to the heights of the palace, God is the difference maker. And I can spend my whole life toiling to better my life, to build a, a better bed, you could say, so, and it won't matter one bit 
if I don't have a relationship with God. And if I do have a relationship with God, I don't need to spend my whole life bettering my comfort, bettering my bed, but rather securing my eternal rest. You know, the CDC outlines that to have a sufficient amount of sleep, I have to get seven hours of sleep. But God's Word tells me, God outlines this, to have actual rest in my life, I must be with Him. The writer of Hebrews would say it in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 2, Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as, as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So let me ask you, let me rephrase my question. I started this morning by asking, how did you sleep last night? Well, let me rephrase my question tonight, or today. How well will you sleep tonight? How will you sleep tonight? If you're not going to sleep well tonight, is it because of a past failure? Are you, not, are you unable to find rest in God today because you're still holding on to the guilt or shame of a past failure? David would write in Psalms 34, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And God would write to the author of Isaiah, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Don't let a past decision, a past failure, hold you back from getting good rest today with God. Let his comfort heal you. Maybe it's not a past decision. Maybe it's a present situation, a present decision that you have to make. Think about Romans chapter 6 and verse 22. And now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves to God. You know, one of the, the benefits of being a Christian is I don't have to make my own decisions. You know, one of the things I was looking forward to about getting married, among you know, a myriad of things was I can have some advice on what to wear to church. I don't have to make a fool of myself anymore when I come to, when I come, when I, there was a year where I was out of college and wasn't married yet, and it was rough. I, I was living with two other guys, and I'd say, hey, does this look okay? And it was, that was a terrible idea to ask those guys. And so one of the benefits I was looking forward to getting married, because I could, I could ask Hannah, who has a great sense, uh, you know, whether this looks okay or not. I said, does this look all right? And I enjoyed that. I could have help in making my decisions in that. And the beauty of being a Christian is I don't have to make my decisions based on what I think is right, what I think is better for me. Because now that I've been set free from sin, I, I, I'm a servant, I'm a slave to God. He makes my decisions for me. My, my decisions are based on my commitment to Him. And I just follow where His will takes me, where His word directs me. Maybe it's something in the future. It's a future deadline, a future problem. Maybe it's just your future in general, where you're going to spend, what, what next month looks like for you, what the next job is going to be like, what the, what the next relationship will be like, what the next, when eternity starts, where you'll, where you'll spend it. Writer Hebrews write again, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do to me. We have the confidence to boldly say the Lord is my helper because he said he's never going to leave us. So I say to that, then let our confidence in God inspire us to our future. The last passage I'll read today is this, back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. 
Let us therefore strive to enter that rest that no one may fail by the same sort of disobedience. What's keeping you from resting with God today? Daniel could find perfect rest in a lion's den because he didn't rely on his surroundings for comfort. He didn't rely on the situation that he found himself to get, find his rest, to find his peace, to find his hope. That was already wrapped up in God. And because of that, no matter what lion, that lion's den, no matter what situation he found himself in, he could rest well. Or maybe some of us are like Darius who have been working so long to climb the ladder, who have been working so long to better the comfort of our beds, that we started relying on that for our sleep, and we started relying on our comforts around us for the rest that we need in our lives. And we're struggling to find that. Today, don't let a past decision rob you from from feeling rest with God. Today, don't let a present decision that you don't know where to go rob you from feeling well-rested in God. And today, don't let, don't let the future deadline of eternity that's all ahead of us hold you back from feeling well-rested tonight. There's no reason for anyone to, to leave this auditorium this morning having to debate the issue where I stand with God. There's no reason for anybody to leave this auditorium or leave this day thinking, where do I stand at in the graces of God because of my decisions, my actions, my, my speech, whatever it may be. Because we find our confidence, our comfort, and our commitment in God. And because of that, and because I can stand with God, that means I can rest with Him. Don't find yourself like Darius pursuing peace with everything you've got and not being able to find it because simply you're not going to be able to. No matter the height of your palace, no matter the comfort of your beds, you won't be able to rest without God with you. So no matter whatever pit you're in today, no matter whatever lines you feel like are pacing around you, you can find rest in Him if you'll find your commitment, your comfort, and your confidence in Him. This morning, if you, this morning, if you've been debating this issue, debating this decision to whether to find rest in Him, to, debating to whether to give your life to Him, I, I, I plead with you to look more into that. To let us answer those questions, to let us go to the Word and talk about that, and to let us pray with you. Maybe you are a Christian and you have started finding your rest in other things. You've, you've been finding your rest in other relationships, in other substances, in other activities, wherever it may be. Maybe you've just been finding rest in your comfortable bed at home. That's where your peace is. That's where your comfort is. That's where all you need, all your hope is wrapped up in. If that's the case, then you're not resting. And you're not going to find rest one day. Unless you're resting with God today. If you have any need, I just ask you to come forward as we stand and sing. I'm pressing on.